Is that, am I here right now? Okay. Any time? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Alright. This is Raven Lightholm. Whoa, fuck. Ready? This is Raven Lightholm, and you're listening to the Massacast, which is intended for adults 18 or over. If you like this show, you should listen to Freedom of Fetish, my sex relationship and fetish advice podcast, available on iTunes and at www.freedomoffetish.com. Hello, and welcome to another Massacast. Thank you for downloading. Thanks to everyone who's been rating the podcast on iTunes and writing reviews lately. It, uh, it means a lot. Thank you for your support. And uh, same thing goes for those who have decided to hit the donate button at massacast.com. It goes through PayPal, accepts uh, just about any type of payment you can imagine, and uh, it's totally anonymous. So, you know, your information will never be released. Uh, also, a quick announcement. Uh, April 1st through 3rd, there's an event in D.C. called Momentum. You can find the website at MomentumCon.com. That's one word, MomentumCon.com. And I, along with uh, many, many awesome podcasters, will be part of a roundtable discussion talk about podcasting it's looking like a real cool event that's momentumcon.com for more details and uh it happens april 1st to 3rd in our nation's capital what else is happening oh yes uh you know I, I usually record quite a few interviews in one big block so over the course of two months or so i record like six to eight podcasts and then i release them over the course of the following months and uh, I'm running uh, low on this last queue, so I'm going to start doing another block of interviews. So if you or someone you know would like to be uh, interviewed for the podcast, you can email me, massacast at gmail.com. I'm always looking for uh, for more people. And there there have been some people who I've said, yes, I would love to interview you in the, in the future. And of course, I completely forget to follow up on them. So if you're one of those people who I said, yes, yes, I'd love to interview you, go ahead and email me again because, uh, you know, I'm disorganized. This episode, talking with uh, Princess Callie, who uh, has got a great new project called Kink Academy. We'll be talking about that and um, and lots of other stuff. Uh, you can find her uh, link on the website, massacast.com. But first, got to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Eden Fantasies. Visit EdenFantasies.com to browse their extensive library of personal toys, as opposed to public toys, bondage gear, sexual health products, and so much more. Also, you'll find product reviews from people who are just like you who are going to give honest reviews which is really what you really want right and if you want to save some cash you can save a boatload by entering the code EFCAST upon checkout use that as your coupon code thanks to Eden Fantasies proud sponsors of the Massacast now on with uh, Princess Callie Uh, the first question I asked her I noticed when looking at her uh, information that she's really into humiliation play and uh, that's something I've never really understood was, you know, humiliation. I've really never gathered that. So I asked her to, to expand on that, to talk more about what exactly is, in her definition, humiliation play. Sure. Well, I mean, like all BDSM activities, I think that there are um, various flavors from each approach. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own unique path that they have walked to get there. But um, to to explain this kind of play, I actually prefer to use slightly different terms um, that I've come to over the years. Erotic embarrassment play can be a bit more fathomable for people, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really talking about the same thing, but, you know, language is really powerful. And so when we use words that are easier to connect to conceptually, you know, it's, it's easier to get our heads around it. So starting with that, with erotic embarrassment play, um, usually the idea is a pretty teasing nature. I mean, we all know, um, that kind of 
poking fun at somebody you care about that we can do. And basically, it's just taking that to the next level. Um, embarrassment play tends to be fetishized. And so, like I said, like if you're not into it, then it would seem very out of place and usually pretty uncomfortable. Um, but if you are into it, then it's like magic. It's like magic words suddenly are spoken. Um, and a lot of that has to do with power play, the same as a lot of other kinky activities. Um, embarrassment is a lot about power and about um, exploring vulnerability. One one problem I know some couples have, uh, I have uh, friends who are, uh, in a DS relationship, they're married, and um, there's a certain degree of humiliation that she just can't do yeah. because they're in a loving relationship. Yeah. For her to go down a certain path, it's a big obstacle. It's a big obstacle because she, she has, you know, she has to raise the kids with that person in the morning. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and again, for the same, you know, to, I, I really with 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 this kind of play, I do tend to try to draw comparisons to other kinky play because it can seem really out there, but but when you bring it back to concepts, you know, I mean, the same can be said for somebody who maybe gets their, you know, them who whips their partner into a frenzy, you know what I mean? That the next day you have to take, you know, your kids to gym practice or whatever. And so it's about separating that life. And, and a lot of couples, it's really, it's a big struggle, um, with a lot of couples who live together, who have full-time relationships to do the really intense stuff because, because it is. It's, this is somebody that, that, that you love and this is somebody that you um, cherish. And so why, you know, why, why would you want to call them names or stuff them in a trash can or something? Right. But, but that's the thing about a fetishist, though, is that, that allowing that expression to happen can actually be the most loving act possible because you take this really taboo thing that that is really difficult to do and you, you stretch yourselves and you stretch yourselves, you know, um, together to try to find it. Now, obviously I don't recommend people do anything they're uncomfortable with, you know, it's about fitting it within your own desires and interests and energy level and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when it's, when it's approached from a playful standpoint and even the pretty intense, like, you know, more degradation style play. Cause, because I certainly, I mean, it's actually one of my known specialties and I always laugh because, you know, I was raised to be like a nice girl and my mother is frequently confused <laughs> by <laughs> this specialty of mine. But, but the way I describe it is that it really is a form of being nice to somebody who would not be able to be treated this way by someone who actually cares about their well being, And that right there is is of course um, the important part that separates it from abusive behavior. You know, calling somebody mean names and it makes them feel bad and you do it anyways. And expressing a fetish or a taboo sexual interaction in a way that actually leaves the two people coming out on the other side feeling good about themselves. So there's, there is a big difference there. I think it's also, um, uh, I, I have quite a few submissive male friends who... I've noticed that their how they they approach in their minds submission uh, is is different from you know from from each person. Uh, some Yo, people yeah. some people really like being you know worthless. They really like you know. Whereas for me, you know, for me, submission is it's very similar to like the a, a knight to his queen, right? It's yes, the, it's not yes. Whereas whereas 
Which is probably why. And I, you can't I don't mix the two. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. exactly. Um, they, they're just very different um, expressions of, you know, a similar desire, but very dr- drastically different expressions. Yeah, and, and, uh, which uh, along the same lines, um, and that kind of brings us to, you know, it's another form of humiliation, and that is um, the idea, and maybe it goes along with cuckolding too, but small penis humiliation. Yes. Well, and so here's, let me, um, so here's, here's something that I've found to be helpful for, I guess, for some people is that in some, in many ways, BDSM is about confronting fears, confronting taboos, confronting boundaries, um, you know, pushing past a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I find that kink can be this pretty magical transformation where it takes something that maybe would otherwise be categorized as negative, such as physical pain or emotional difficulty. And it actually transforms it into something that is positive and uplifting. You know what I mean? Sure. And so when it comes to things, especially regarding um, small penis or um, body types, which which is very sensitive. I mean, the the concept of humiliation play is really broad. It it includes stuff like verbal play and small dick humiliation. It includes stuff like sploshing and throwing food at people, which for some people is not a humiliating act. So mm-hmm. it kind of depends, you know, on where you're coming from. It includes, I mean, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's like if somebody says, I want a spanking, you know pretty much what to give them. If somebody says, I'd like humiliation play, that literally is one step on a you know thousand step journey right. to to figure it out. So so to kind of sidetrack to try to explain that with the so in terms of the small dick humiliation to get back to that comment um, is that you take something that's that they feel bad about right like our society talks about big cock <laughs> big cock is the way to go right. It takes this thing that they have to acknowledge about themselves. They don't have a big cock. They don't. They don't fit in with what society says is expected of them. So they can either um, just feel shitty about that or they can fetishize it. And this is Grant, let me let me be specific in saying this is my personal theory sure, <laughs> about sure. about it. Um, and and from based on my experience of talking with people and that sort of thing. And so you take this thing that you would otherwise feel bad about and you fetishize it and you turn it into something that can actually turn you on. And so as opposed to sitting there and feeling bad for themselves because they have a small dick, they get to go, oh, I have a small dick and she's going to pay attention to my small dick. Mm-hmm. And through the act of humiliation, my dick is still going to get attention. <laughs> since that is a main focus for dicks everywhere um that, you know it's kind of like i you know any any attention is good attention <laughs> i guess <laughs> well that that i guess that makes more sense than i guess um, um, yeah, well, yeah. because it is it's like if it doesn't turn you on i think it's it really is something that is a is is a a difficult stretch to make and b a difficult thing to really pinpoint in an explanation. Let's talk about how how did you discover that you were into this stuff? Um, I I didn't know the the what to call it basically until I actually was an adult and became a professional and discovered the professional world. I 
would say that um, since I was very young, I was very into uh, getting my way, shall we say, mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, the polite version of that. You know, when I was, um, I lived out in the country and um, just had a few like neighborhood boys that lived next door and we just pretty much did you know, whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> and that just seemed very natural to me. Um, and so it kind of progressed through um, high school. I never really, like, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, I got people to tie me up, you know, when I was young or I tied people up or whatever. I never did, like, any of those physical activities. I didn't know about any of that. But I definitely knew that as a girl, I could get boys to do what I told them to. <laughs> and that was a fascinating <laughs> exploration for me, you know, um, and, and very innocent for, for a really long time. I mean, it really wasn't until high school that I discovered, oh, and boobs help, too. <laughs> <laughs> and boobs do miraculous things, right. you know. And so, and, and um, had what I do consider now when I look it back, you know, um, people who probably could could have been called my submissives. Uh, I called them my helpers um, in high school. And um, and so then when I got out of college and, you know, was kind of exploring and discovered, I was a, I was a stripper first for two years. And I loved, I loved stripping. I did bachelor parties and um, I felt very liberated and empowered by it, actually. I never felt demeaned, um, or very rarely in, in a two-year career, I only had two experiences that I would classify as, you know, crap. Yeah. <laughs> crap. But besides that, it was actually a pretty amazing start of my journey. And then I discovered domination. And it was like, as I like to say, oh, I'm not a bitchy stripper, I'm a dominatrix. <laughs> and then suddenly it all fell into place. How did you discover domination? I mean, you, you mentioned it was uh, in a pro situation, but how did that light bulb switch on? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm from California, and I moved to Boston entirely on a whim um, eight, almost nine years ago now. And um, I brought my bag of stripper gear and figured it would not be difficult to get a job. I mean, I, I was a very good stripper, and, and the, the power of the tease was was strong within me. <laughs> um, wow, that was like a Star Wars reference. I'm so not a Star Wars girl. That's pretty funny. Um, so, uh, so I came out here but actually discovered that um, in the big city uh, more – how shall I put this delicate or not, or not, you know, hand jobs were expected. And that's just not what I do. I don't make judgment on it whatsoever, but that's just a personal boundary that I, that I found. And so, um, did some modeling, like trying to just kind of get some photos done to figure out what I was going to do and got invited to a foot fetish party in New York city. And that was pretty much the kickoff. I love the haphazard foot references, can I just say. I literally, I don't even do them on purpose. They just come to me. I have a few friends who, who kind of got, in, got into it that way, <laughs> who got into being dominant through, through feet, whether it's yeah. through the pro thing or through whatever. Um, foot the- fetish is great. It's such a, it's such a um, in my opinion, kind of, low key way to enter the sex industry. Um, you know, it doesn't actually involve any, 
you know, current, currently defined sexual organs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's some distance in it. And for me, I, when I walked in, it, I mean, it really literally was like a light bulb went off. And there were all these amazing women uh, of all different kinds of women and shapes and ages and um, personalities, you know, and all these men uh, respectfully asking to you know, kiss some, kiss my toes. And it was, it was, um, I really just was like, wow, like this is an incredible world that I had no idea of. And, and so because it's, because it's that sense of respectful attitude, I mean, I went from, you know, show us your tits, you know, have you, you know, have you got a cunt in those panties kind of comments as a stripper, um, to, you know, excuse me, mistress, may I please, you know, may I please worship your feet? Those are beautiful shoes. Yeah, that's a big difference in experiences. Huge. And again, I, you know, I love stripping and I, and I never felt uncomfortable putting those men in their places. Like that's what for me when I discovered domination, you know, like I didn't know what that was, but I had been doing it all along that when I was a stripper and men would be disrespectful, I would stop and basically uh, stop the whole party and be like, you know, look, you've got a guy over here that's being disrespectful. Like either you can all bark like dogs because you're totally misbehaving and that will make me feel better. Or I'm just going to leave because I really don't have to tolerate that sort of attitude. And you would be astounded at how fast men will bark like dogs or put their <laughs> buddy out on the sidewalk and right. be like, dude, if you can't hang, you are out. So what? I, you know, it was a, it was a, Again, it was for me, it was a really empowering experience. But then to discover domination was definitely the next step in that. So how did you make the, uh, it's not a huge jump, but uh, it is a bit of a jump to go from um, yeah. getting your foot worship to kicking someone's ass. Yeah, for me, it wasn't a huge jump. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, you know, I look, I tend to look very sweet. I'm blonde. Uh, I smile a lot. I'm a very, you know, generally pretty chipper sometimes downright perky person, but there's a real edge to it. And so for me, um, I, I just naturally, I think behaved, um, rather sassy and domineering. And so it, it, and, and frankly, I mean, the, the community was just great. All you have to do is look around, you know, go to a, go to an event and look around and inspiration is everywhere. Um, and so I would talk with the, with the guys who came to the party and ask about what their favorite experiences were. I would watch other women doing their sessions and, you know, see the things that, that I thought were super hot and put them through the filter of myself. And so it was very much a matter of, I mean, it really was for me very natural, you know, I mean, everybody is good at something in the world. This is one of, one of those things (laughs) for me. Um, Pretty, pretty, uh, empowering to have that kind of that switch turn on. It, it was, and it, and it is. If you go to, one of my favorite things to see is, um, especially women, but anybody who is new to the kink scene, and they're just downright giddy with it, with this, with that switch that, that you have license to um, celebrate yourself and celebrate your sexuality and, and be powerful, whether that power means giving up your power or whether that power means like really embracing the fact that you can, you know, do all of these amazing, fun, kinky things to a willing and thankful person. I mean, that's a, it is incredibly powerful. And, and which is why for me, I just never look back. I literally, 
uh, was like, this is just what I'm supposed to be doing with myself. And now it's been 10 years in the, in the industry. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more passionate than ever, frankly, about, about talking about sexuality and about, you know, helping people create that space to be liberated like that. Okay, that was my soapbox. I'm stepping back down now. No, that's fine. That's fine. This is this. The whole point of this is for you to, you know, have a soapbox. So that's great. You know, I'm very, I'm very passionate about sexuality. I, uh, it, it's such an amazingly, endlessly fascinating topic. Which, which you know, I mean, doing like you said, doing podcasts like this. I mean, you get to talk to all kinds of people that otherwise, you know, you may not have a connection with. But there's this connection that brings all these various people together. It's pretty amazing. What um, you're, you're you're going out to events and parties and stuff like that. When when people find out that you are dominant, um, you know, in I, I have I'll give you a story. I'll give you an example. I have friends who they they don't they don't hide the fact that they're dominant. In, in you know, they don't have like a separate life. Uh, you know, they don't have, they don't uh, put put their life into boxes. Okay, I'm, I'm a, this is my dominant life. This is my personal life that stays away from that. But so I have friends who, you know, they'll go out and when someone asks them, what do you do for a living? They'll say, oh, I'm a dominatrix. And all of a sudden, everybody at the party is just asking just the, the kinky <laughs> dominatrix. 101, right. impromptu. Yep. Right. And, and, and because that is so prevalent, it seems that more and more people, uh, more of my friends who are, you know, are out about it, they've kind of pulled back from being so out because they're sick of being that kinky person or being the person who's willing to talk about it. It's tough to be the freak show. And, and the thing is, is that some people mean well and some people really just see it as like, wow, like you're a normal person in a normal environment and suddenly I have permission to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. um, but some people just are kind of, um, you know, doing the freak show thing and being like, wow, like you're weird. And so, and that can get tiring. And so, um, I, I've made similar choices recently. It's tough because I have a lot of pride in, in what I do and what I've built and, um, you know, and all of that. I'm, I'm very proud of, of who I am and what I do, but, um, but it's, it's so sad how in about 30 seconds, people's opinions and perceptions of you can change so drastically that they don't even really get a chance to, get to know you in any other way as that kinky girl or that kinky person who does that like for money. Like, cause that even changes it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just tell people that you're kinky, you know, they're going to like be, wow, well, okay. But like you tell them you get paid for it and, and you know, money and sex are two of the most complicated human <laughs> things. I think people have very complicated and surprising responses to, to sexual identity, to professional sexual identity, and all of it all mushed up, you know? But it, but, and so that's, I used to enjoy kind of shocking people because I do look so normal um, that they would, you know, that I could tell it just totally turned their idea of, uh, of what a pro-dom was on its head. Um, and I love that, but, but, but it gets tiring is the problem. And I, I used to, f you know, really feel like I needed to convince people that, that this is a, a really great profession and that, you know, you meet all kinds of really amazing people and that it's a really ethical, uh, or there is a major portion of the industry that is really ethical. Um, but, 
you know, but you can't convince something, you know, somebody of something that they don't want to know, Yeah. you know? And so at a certain point you just say, uh, I work at an internet company. It's pretty low level, you know, pretty boring stuff. So what do you do? <laughs> well, at the same time, have you, have you found that the attitudes towards kink has changed over the past, you know, eight years? Yes and no. I mean, it definitely is getting, um, kind of finger with by finger with a bit more mainstream, but it still is because the mainstream expressions of it are usually still really sensationalistic. People don't understand it still. Um, you know, and so it, it, it's really, it really depends. I mean, I went to art school for a little while and told some of my professors and, and had really surprising responses from women that I thought would be, but were kind of, you know, kind of old school feminists and uh, were horrified that I would do something that was quote unquote violent. They, I mean, they were, they were horrified that, that, you know, oh, I didn't think you were the violent sort. And it's like, whoa, 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 you know, let, let's do a kink 101 class, please. And, and especially since my world has taken a very fierce turn towards education, you know, I'm, I'm back to feeling, um, a little more willing to explain it to people on a one-on-one level because a lot of times what's given in mainstream is not is not still not yet accurate. Uh, I also find that people have a lot of assumptions still. Yeah. I uh, I had an email conversation with a friend who uh, you know we were just kind of going back and forth. We haven't we, had, we hadn't talked in a while, and she and I were talking and kind of catching up. We were really close friends at one point, and um and I th- I thought well I'm just going to kind of you know, I don't know how the subject of sex came up or something like that. Something with her boyfriend. It tends to. It tends to. And uh, and I brought in. She she kind of mentioned something kinky or something like that. And I said, oh well, my girlfriend and I are. Uh, you know, we practice BDSM as well. And she just kind of laid in on me, basically saying like, oh how how can you how can you treat her as your submissive? How can you do this? And, and you know, just kind of like, yeah. how can you treat her less than? I'm saying, well, you don't understand. I'm the submissive one. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, well, that's okay then. You know? Right. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. No, you introduce feminism into it, and it and it's then just yet a whole nother ballgame. People, f- women, women who don't understand this, um, you know, think, d- really don't understand the female submissiveness. They can kind of get the female dominance, and so that's a little bit easier. You know, women are, are like, oh, empowered. Yeah, kick their asses. Yeah. Um, but even that, I don't really like to encourage because, you know, it's not about a, a woman beating a man, you know, necessarily. It's, it's about a psychological release and, you know, connection and energy exchange and all that cool woo-woo shit. I think, yeah, cool woo woo shit indeed. Yeah, I've uh, yeah. I've had I've I've heard arguments that that uh, that says even female dominance, male submissive relationships, even those are anti-feminist. Oh yeah, oh I've heard it all. I've been told that I've been brainwashed into liking high heels and that you know that I'm merely succumbing to a different version of males objectification and that the males are Oh the the fact I mean I've made I've had a porn a fetish porn site up for 8 years princesscally.com um that where I uh, never get naked. I show my boobies a couple of times cuz I occasionally like to show my boobies. Mm-hmm. And, but besides that, I don't get naked at all. I have no, like, traditionally sexual interaction with any of them. And I've been told by many, many women that I am, um, you know, that I'm setting women back, you know, a hundred years that, 
that it doesn't matter that I'm the one superficially in power because I'm all trussed up in sexy clothing and 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 it's like you know what when I wear high heels I am a shoe fetishist no woman in their right mind can tell me how I feel when I'm wearing a pair of high heels which is like I am an absolute sex goddess and that has nothing to do I wear high heels alone in a room when I've had a crappy day Mm -hmm. not for anybody else you know what I mean and so to those women, I tend to say, you know, feminism is about allowing women to make their own experience as a woman. Stop trying to define my experience as a woman. Go, go have your own experience as a woman. This episode is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Enter EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, when you check out your order and you'll save 20%. It sounds like uh, DS is uh, a big factor in, in what you enjoy as well. Huge. Power is, to me... Exploring uh, power is everything. It is the hottest thing. I could be doing almost anything. My my list of activities that I enjoy is long and varied. Um, but as long as it's about someone willingly turning themselves over to me and about me consciously uh, taking control, I'm a happy girl. Do you find uh, I had a conversation with the, with a few people who are really into DS as well, and I, I was really I found it really interesting to see um, when it comes to service um, the varying ideas, be, you know, behind different types of service. Uh, I'm you know talking about just like cooking and cleaning and doing chores mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, on the role of protocols and how some people uh, really prefer having set very strict protocols, and some people. Um, think the protocols hurt more than they help. Do you have any uh, any protocols you, you go by or does it really kind of depend on the person? Or It totally depends on the person and the situation. I, um, I am a realist, even in my fantasy. And so um, I think that protocols can that protocols can go down a negative path when they're used either as a crutch, as a way to um, establish dominance without actually putting any work into it, like just describing a bunch of difficult rules for someone to live by. Um, And then I think it, it can also hurt when you place the protocols above the person that you're dealing with. Um, A very simple uh, example is a submissive being on their knees. I, most of my submissive men um, are f- 40s or older. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I required them to stay on their knees throughout, say, an entire session or throughout, say, um, an experience when they're getting extra instructions from me, um, and them being on their knees was so painful as to distract them what I was telling them, then the protocol is actually being detrimental to what I'm trying to accomplish. But, of course, it can be very fun. <laughs> the, the theatrics of protocols are, um, you know, are sexy and powerful and when used judiciously can, can um, supplement domination and can really add to a person's feelings of being controlled. But I think when you rely on them, it can get a little... It's the same thing as like just relying on, you know, using a flogger and just hitting somebody with a flogger. If you don't know what you're doing with the flogger, then you're basically just smacking somebody with a mop. Can you give, uh, give some examples of, of protocols that, uh, that, you, that you would recommend for people? Sure. Like? 
Yeah, sure. I, I prefer simple protocols that you can work into um, realistic situations. Um, I think a lot of times people set their kink and fantasy on such a pedestal that they can never get there. And so if you can't do your kink, then eh, something's wrong. Um, and so the most simple one that I like to do is a greeting and um, dismissal. Um, when my submissives arrive at any given time, they know that they are to request permission to uh, drop to their knees and kiss each of my feet three times each and then thank me. It's very simple. It can happen very quickly. And uh, it's, a, it's a very sweet acknowledgement of, of a power dynamic. And then if you're a foot fetishist like me and most of my submissives, there is that added as well. I also really recommend having distinct names it's not about creating um, necessarily a whole different persona, but especially for lifestyle couples, people who are married or in a, an everyday relationship, having a special name that you can call one another. And it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, Lord, Master of the Universe or, oh, you know, most central and golden goddess, although that can be really fun, frankly. Um, <laughs> creating something elaborate, you know, to, to make them. I'm a big fan of tongue twisters uh, for some reason. Um, but it can be simple, you know, as simple as um, sir or, um, you know, my love. That some when it's said with a distinction, when it's said only at those certain times, it can really be a very small thing that can help set the mental mindset for dominance and submission. I, I mentioned that I was going to be uh, interviewing someone who, uh, a dominant woman beforehand on Twitter, and I've had a few questions, and that kind of, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned your stature, and someone uh, actually asked that question. Uh, for dominant women of small stature, how should they go about intimidating a male submissive? I find that staring people down can be very effective. Um, you know, pro um, a lot of it is just about confidence is mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't, I mean, you kick a man in, an, in the nuts with enough force and no matter how big he is, he will fall. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you smash somebody's nose into their, into their face, they're going to have a problem. And so, you know, I think that because I don't, um, exhibit meekness, that's the first step. And that, that causes men, especially, I love, I mean, I, I use love slightly sarcastically here, but dealing with like alpha males mm -hmm. uh, because they're they tend to use physical intimidation, and I find that you know uh, the correct um, look in my eye is actually much more effective in shooting people down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so being confident and looking them in the eye and having um, a firm tone to your voice without being bitchy. A lot of times. Um, I find that new female doms, especially, I mean, well, I, every, frankly, everybody does this, find that just being, trying to, they try to be an asshole and think that that's like the dominant thing to do is like, you know, yell at somebody or use swear words or um, that sort of thing. So not effective. Really, really, truly not effective. And just makes you look kind of like a jackass. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you, if you, if you instead use, um, strong confidence to overpower people, uh, you'll find, at least I've found, that it's much more, much more effective. That is a very common thing. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've never, I've actually encountered that just a few times, like, you know, at public parties and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you can 
there's always, not always, but every now and again, there's that one person. It, it could be a guy or a girl. Yeah. Someone who is trying to invoke dominance in themselves by, by forcing it out there. And they're, tr- they're, they're almost... Uh, they're coming, just being rude. They're being rude, but they're trying to do it in what they assume is dominant, either from maybe from a movie they've seen or from porn they've watched or who knows what. Yeah. Um, that is such a common stereotype. And, it, and when you see it, it's very odd to see it too when, when you're surrounded by people who are just acting like themselves and you see this one person... Yeah. Who's just like, I said I wanted no ice, you know. Yes. And you're just like, oh, geez, who's the asshole, you know. And yeah, yeah. at the same time, there's still people who gravitate towards that. Well, it's easy. It's And it's um, when you're not actually confident, it's much easier to bluster your way through. Yeah. Um you know, I tend to just kind of shake my head and, and look at look at that and just go, Well, obviously they're working towards inner confidence and it's yeah. a slow it's a slow journey. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it, it's it's easy to just yell. I think that it is the stereotype and and um and, it, you know, there will always be people who want to take the easy route. I mean, people think that being dominant is easy, that you just tell people what to do. And while it's not, you know, it's certainly not brain surgery, although kind of, frankly, I mean, without, you know, uh, not physical brain surgery, but it's about getting in somebody's mind. And since everybody's minds are so vastly different, you know, it's not something that you just blanket can can jump into, I think. You said you've been doing this for, what, eight years? Ten years. Ten years. Have you found uh, your style or your... Yeah. Have you you've, you've found it changing over the course of time? Definitely has changed. I, um, when I started, I definitely was given an idea of what you know, professionally dominant women were supposed to be like, and, um, my people that are now good friends have some really awesome story, uh, stories of Princess Callie Domitis, um, <laughs> like the first year or two when I got in the scene, which of course make me just blush like mad now. Um, can you give fact, some I'll, examples? Or yeah, I was going to say, I've got to share one. Um, a, a good friend of mine told me who, um, she's a great woman and she, she owns, um, she actually owns, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name, but she owns a vending booth. And um, apparently when I met her and we just um, shot some King Academy video content recently and she she said, do you remember the first time that we met? I said, no, I don't. She goes, oh, my God. She said, I came, you came up and you were in the booth and you said, oh, it's so nice to meet that she said to me, it's so nice to meet you. And I said to her, Oh, it is so nice to meet me, isn't it? Now, of course, I am just, oh, so embarrassed because I obviously meant that at the time, um, which is a, just an entirely inappropriate thing to say to, you know, a woman in a booth who has nothing to do with yeah. submitting to me whatsoever. Um but I am proud to say that that didn't last very long. And so uh, one of the nice things about being so immersed in this world is that I found a fairly quick learning curve and um, have now definitely 10 years into it feel utterly settled into my style uh, and self as a, as a dominant. But it's a path. I mean, you know, I started off with the um, doing a lot of the worthless worm sort of stuff. And I certainly can go there now with with people. But 
Um, but I don't. I mean, I don't think submissives are worthless. Now, I can do a degradation scene with someone at where we explore that concept for a period of time. But I care very deeply about my submissives. And I care um, about, you know, the people that I play with, their well-being. And so kind of doing the whole, like, you, you're an utterly worthless maggot thing didn't really last all that long. Um because they're pretty, they're pretty awesome people, you know. Yeah. Um, now again, we can play them being a maggot for a period of time, and I get to push them in the dirt and spit on them and call them nasty names, and then at the end they kiss my feet and they say thank you, princess, for being so mean to me. And I say you're welcome, my pet. Let's go grab some dinner. <laughs> uh, first of all, that story you gave about the it is so nice to meet me. I, that, <laughs> I, I've. I've come upon that so many times, and kudos <laughs> so to you for, for admitting that story. First of all, for, thank you. I I like to actually share those things because I think that it. I I've I've come to realize that the 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 highest kind of label I claim is myself is a is teacher slash student. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I find that sharing those kinds of embarrassing stories of growth. Um, not only forces me to confront the fact that I really was kind of a prick <laughs> there sure. for a minute, but, but helps people understand that we all make mistakes, you know, and that, that it, it, as long as you push through and you grow, then there isn't anything to be embarrassed about, as long as hopefully you don't behave that way now. And you can see why that was perhaps not the best choice. Let's talk about Kink Academy. Yay! I love talking about King Academy. Um, this is, you know, I, I you you gave me uh, a password, username, password. And I got to check out the site, and it seems you seems to be adding content all the time. First off, for those people who don't know, what <gasps> is King Academy? Are there people who don't know? I know I it's a shocker. So. No, <laughs> um, King Academy is a uh, creative sexuality video based website that I launched a little over a year ago that has um, four video updates a week. The videos are anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes with educators from all different kinds of perspectives, um, gender identities, um, sexuality identities, presenting on various topics regarding sexuality, kink, gender relationships. So that's it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a membership site. It is currently only $9.95 a month. Um, But... It is so dirt cheap, frankly, right now that uh, you might want to jump on the bandwagon for those of you who are listening, because it really, at this point, is growing immensely. I'm I'm really really proud of it. We've got um, close to 50 educators now, and and adding them all the time. We've got some really big names: um, Lee Harrington, Jay Wiseman. I just signed up the oh so sexy Madison Young on the site. Um, I mean, just so many more names that I honestly can think of right now. But tons of people talking about tons of kinky stuff. And the idea is that these these little bite-sized videos, you can either watch a couple of them in a row and get a more comprehensive class, or you can watch one and get something immediately usable uh, and on your own schedule. So let's say you have a play date at 2 in the morning and forgot that bondage wrist tie that you learned in Lee Harrington's class, you can go on King Academy, you can watch it, and then you can go and be a superstar. 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 Uh, uh, well, the thing I, I, I thought was really cool about this, too, is, uh, uh, is that, you know, I, I never 
I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up, you know, rural area. And um, there was nothing like this in my, you know, where I grew up. I grew, yeah. I grew up, you know, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota and there was nothing. Awesome. There was nothing yeah. there, you know. And, and there was nothing for, you know, I would have had to drive 12 hours just to go to any sort of organized kink event, you know, for, right. for education. And even that would have been difficult to do. Um, and then when I, you know, when I got to New York, uh, there were always, you know, there's always something going on when it comes to kink education in New York. But at the same time, not everything uh, appeals to what I'm into or what, what Saad is into uh, at all times. And that's kind of the cool thing about this is that there's a pretty big, there's a pretty vast library of different kinks and different uh, interests oh, yeah. in there. How have you, I mean, obviously there's so much stuff to choose from. How do you prioritize or do you even prioritize? You just say, is that a thing? Okay, yes, we're going to do it. It's, it, that's one of the hardest things about this website. In fact, I just was setting up the, uh, like the content for the next couple of weeks, you know, putting the list together. And I wish we could update every day. That was actually originally my plan. And my team, of course, said, lady, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but because it is hard, because there are so many different topics and there are so many different approaches to each topic. And we don't, we don't just have one educator present on a topic. We have multiple presenters talk about each topic so that because people will get different things from different people. Mm -hmm. um, so it, ha it has been hard. We spent a lot of the first year trying to get a lot of foundational stuff on there. I didn't want to jump immediately to like scrotum piercing, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Um, but now that the site has been up a year, and we do do four updates a week. I mean, so that's 16 a month, which, which is pretty substantial. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that if you don't like today's video, there's a good chance that you'll like, you know, the video that comes up in two days. Um, or you might like them all if you're a dirty pervert like me. Yeah. Um, or most of them. We recently posted some needle play stuff that, like, a bunch of hardcore kinksters I know are so excited about. And needles make me a little squidgy. So, um, so you know, but that's the idea is that we, we have a lot of foundation stuff. So if you're new to kink, if you are way out in the middle of nowhere and can't get to any, any place, then Kink Academy is, um, like if I may not so modestly say, hands down, the best possibility for, for ed an educational resource. But even if you are somebody who lives in a big city or goes to events, there is also a lot to be had, frankly, at the site. Because, like, I go to events. I go to, like, 12 events a year. And um, I never get to all of the classes I want to get to. I never remember everything from each hour-long or two-hour-long class. And so having this kind of... Um, reference you know it's like having a book but better that you can go back to over and over whether you're totally new or whether or not you're advanced you know the idea is that you can go on there and find something to uh to turn you on and to help you be kinky because that's my that's my life's mission acts is to help people be kinkier yay but, and that was the one thing that i really liked about it too is that i, I think um a lot of people when they're reading about kink or when they're, I mean, maybe not so much about reading about kink, but specifically, but when you're researching a kink, let's say if you want to try bondage or you want to try spanking or something like that, yeah, there's usually this, you're always reading it and, and always learning about it with the context in your head of doing this to another person or getting it done to you, right? Right. So it's really hard to kind of look at it in just a objective way. And uh, whereas when you're watching the videos, you can see there's two things. Number one, it's not like a crazy sexualized 
No. You know, it's it, very straightforward. I mean, we show what we're doing and we use, you know, I mean, like we have a female anatomy clip where we use a, a live female, you know, because most anatomy stuff is used with these little plastic pussies. Um, but it's what I mean. What I mean is, it's, it's not, not blocked porn. by porn. It's yeah, not obscene. It's, it's not. It's it's the idea is that people can focus on learning how to make their own sexually charged experience. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's the thing that was really impressed me because when I first when I first heard about it, I thought, okay, these are going to be scenes that people play. You know, whereas you don't really learn. You know, you can watch all the kink porn you want, and you still you still have to go. Wait, how did they do that? Or what is going on there? Whereas this is not. You know, this is definitely educational. This is not the, under the, you know, this is not porn. It's, it's not porn. Right, it's yeah. not porn that's in the guise of education. You know, that's one thing I really like about. Right. Yes. No, because there is a lot of that stuff out there. And that certainly is really helpful. Um, you know, for people, it's got, uh, you know, everybody learns different ways. Mm-hmm. But but these really are more like sitting in on a class um, where, you're talking about sexy things, you're doing sexy things, but it's about breaking it down for it to be accessible and for somebody to learn how to do it. I've made fetish porn, like I said, for a really long time. I I was on a number of the um, kink.com websites for a number of years. And porn is awesome. And porn is, is such a great um, accessory to sex. But porn is not meant to be educational. Yeah. You don't see you know, the five riggers that are standing around to catch that person who's hanging by their ankle. Um, You know, you don't see the extended negotiation that takes place. And so what we want to do is show that so that then people who are either just starting don't think that that's like just an easy peasy thing to be doing and that people who want to explore it can do it with those safety you know, as much knowledge of safety as we can provide through this medium. So how do you, how do you decide, like, do, do you have people approaching you and saying, hey, I'd really like to teach X, Y, yeah. Z. How do you decide, okay, yes, this is, this is a good fit or not? Um, a couple of different ways. I started the site off with a lot of educators because I've been in the scene um, for a long time and I've been on the educational circuit for a while. And so I, I also started with all my friends um, or with a lot of my friends. I still am checking some of them off. But um, started off with people that I just that I knew were good at what they talked about and knew that they were um, dynamic or um, knowledgeable or hopefully both and um, started with that and then we launched the site and uh, have definitely gotten more and more people uh, more and more educators contacting me which of course is fantastic and I still seek people out that that I've heard really good things about um, but I definitely check into people I I you know if you're new to teaching then probably not so much um, even if you you know maybe really experienced in it if you don't have a track record of teaching in kink um, then I may need some you know, some trusted references kind of a thing. I definitely take references. I have a lot of people, uh, friends who send me emails saying, oh my God, I just sat in this person's class. You have got to get in touch with them. Um, you know, I look at how many places they've taught at. I've looked at how many, you know, how many classes do they teach and, um, you know, what do people I know know about them if I don't know them personally, that sort of thing. Um, But it's tough because, I mean, there's no certification in, you know, flogging. (laughs) Like there's nowhere that we, we, we do have um, certified sexuality educators and I'm, I'm working hard to get more and more of um, an academic vein 
on the site. Mm -hmm. We have a free page, a page of free clips that's got health stuff and stuff about law and laws and sexuality, that kind of stuff. Um, But a lot of the the educators that are on the site are just picked from our community based on, um, you know, references and recommendations and, you know, whether or not they are known as a good presenter. Do you have time for a couple of quick uh, Forum Spring questions? Let's do it. Uh, are you familiar with Forum Spring? I am because I see 12 questions at a time answered by people on my Twitter feed. <laughs> well, there you go. I've got, I've got, uh, but let's go. <laughs> these are, these are generic questions. These are not specific to you. So I don't want okay. you to think these are just, uh, and I've asked some in the past, but I've, uh, really enjoyed them in the past. Um, uh, if you could have one kinky superpower, what superpower would it be? I actually, I've come up with, um, my, I'm a supervillain and I'm named the mouth and I'm able to talk people either into submitting to me or death that if I use certain frequencies with my voice that I can seduce somebody into being my zombie slave or if I shout at a certain level, then their head will explode. <laughs> I've put a lot of thought into this act. Exploding heads is always a unique, yes. Um, and finally, have you ever fantasized about something so intensely and then when you finally experienced it, you realized it wasn't all it cracked up to be? No, actually. No, no. I love everything I do. Um, I was actually, um, I'll say something kind of the, the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sploshing. I, when I was first asked to do a sploshing scene, and sploshing is throwing food at people, throwing mm-hmm. like messy food, um, I thought that it would just be kind of funny and, you know, whatever. And I love throwing food at people. <laughs> I do think it's funny, and I laugh I, it's such a joyful experience for everyone involved um, that I'd say that I wasn't expecting to like it nearly as much as I as I did. I mean, I stay away from things that I know I won't like. I don't like medical play um, because it's needles and weird yeah, shit. Yeah. I don't I don't do babies only because you know I'm the kind of mommy that will lock you in the closet, which is why I have submissives and not children. <laughs> um, you know, and so for the most part. I'm I'm a I'm a pervy girl, <laughs> action. So, you know, I tend to really enjoy the things I do. Hey, thank you so much for sitting down and taking time out. From, I know you've got more uh, video clips to edit. For King yes, Academy. there will be lots more King Academy. And if I may, just make a short plug with our recently launched site, um, fearlesspress.com, um, which is a uh, text-based website, totally free. We've got like 30 authors adding more all the time with monthly columns and all about, um, it's very, it's a very smart site about sex. Um, all of the articles are in some way related to sexuality, but it doesn't really pander to the whole kind of, you know, erotica bottom line kind of thing. So fearlesspress.com. We, we, the whole Kink Academy team is working really hard on both websites. Thanks to Princess Callie. Of course, you can find her uh, links on the website, massacast.com, and also find uh, the link to Kink Academy, which is something you can definitely check out. It's, re- it's a really great project, and uh, thanks to, to her for jumping on the show. Also, thanks to this episode's sponsor, Eden Fantasies. They've got this really great sex-positive online magazine called Sexes. They've got uh, lots of stories, kinky advice, write-ups from authors who uh, are really great sex bloggers and some people who you can't see them write anywhere else other than Sexist Magazine. And the cool thing is the magazine's totally free. Again, Sexist Magazine from Eden Fantasy, our sponsor here at the Massacast. Type in EFCast, E-F-C-A-S-T, and you'll get 20% off your order. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.